Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Pehei Bezat Hashem in Masechus Babakama. We're going to start seven lines down from the top of Pei Dalet Amad What were we talking about? We are talking about the Babylonian courts, guys. We were saying yesterday the following thing. Can you assess, uh, well, there was a whole discussion, right, when it comes to Nezek, Tsar, Rippo, and Boshas, we were saying, what was the case uh, where you would be able to adjudicate that case if you were, in fact, um, if you were, in fact, a Babylonian court. There was a brisa, right, that said that when we were talking about the case of Nezek, of the Tsar, Ripu, Boshes, that's a human being doing Nezek to another human being. When it comes to Shor and any variation therein, right, so there already you're talking about regular Nezek. Uh, so seven lines down, we're saying, Amri, Mikav, Dinu, The only authority that we would have in, uh, if we were a court in Bavel in order to adjudicate these cases would be as a shliach, right, as an emissary to the courts in Eretz Yisrael. And we know this idea of smicha also only being uh, valid in Eretz Yisrael. Why would, be, uh, why would the Bezdin in Bavel be a shliach? It's not like shliach that you might be used to from a Rosh Hashanah necessarily where you're, you know, sending them out to, uh, to notify of the new moon. It's more like the shliach of uh, authority given over. So the case we were talking about yesterday was something like halvos. Halvos was something where we gave uh, authority to courts because if you did not give the, that authority, give over that kind of smicha, right, which is uh, watered down, right, to a certain extent, it's assumed, even though Bavel was a big Torah center, right, the siyata deshmaya, so to speak, that comes with adjudicating a case, that was supposed to be going on or only in Eretz Yisrael. And the smicha was only supposed to be going on in Eretz Yisrael. But there's a whole community in Golis. And if you do not allow the, the, the Bezdin in Bavel to adjudicate cases of halvos, then people just won't lend, right? So you'll bring all of the commerce to screeching halt. And we really want lending to go on in the, in the uh, Jewish community, right, in the community. So therefore, they allowed it for that reason. So there's elements of that that got into Nezikin as well. So that's what's going on over here. It says, when do we carry out, ki, ki, uh, right? When are we allowing them to give the shlichus over to, when do we allow the Bezdin in Eretz Yisrael to give over the shlichus to the Bezdin in Babel? In matters that are finite and, and certain. Where are we getting at? Because when it comes to, good morning, Andrew. Um, when it comes to uh, areas where are not certain, what it is to say, it's going to leave us to a uh, judgment call. Then, then we're not going to do the shlichus. So now we're finally seven lines down uh, where we left off, Andrew, because I stalled for you, don't worry. And we say like this Amri, Shorba, 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 Adam, Nami, Lokim, in other words, the question is like this. When it comes to personal injury law, right? So we're, we're a little bit used to this in America. But the fact of the matter is, it's not so simple because the Torah and the Dayanim are going to try to make an actual evaluation. So it's not like in America where it's what the market will bear, right? You got burnt on a coffee in Starbucks and you get $80 million. It doesn't work that way, right? Because we're actually trying to evaluate what is the Nezik, what is the Tsar? In a real way, right? Like the actual value that a person would, uh, what a person would pay to avoid it, that kind of thing. It's not a big payday. It's just, it's actually in today's Israeli courts. It's more similar to that. However, 
that is something that we only uh, allow Dayanim. That judgment call of the actual monetary value of the injury law is something that we would not give over. So you see, what we're saying here is that we, if you have something, right, where the Torah says you get a certain amount of money for it, so then that we will be uh, trusting them to be the shlichim for the Bezin and Eretz Israel. We'll allow them to do it in Bavel. But when it's something like this, when you talk about Nezek, we try to evaluate it, we cannot do so. So now, finally, seven lines down on pay base, pay dollar and base. Amri, the So we we just said right that that would be true by the appraisals of nezek of adam Adam, right with exact with, with actual nezek of that uh, of uh, injury law. But that would be also true when it's talked about the shore. or right when when a shore gets injured. That's also something that we don't know how much it is. Which is to say, the Torah doesn't say every time you hit a shore, it's 50 shekel. The Torah says, evaluate how much the shore is. So, so the hava amina here, what we're thinking is that every time that we have an evaluation, we're not going to let the business bubble judge it. Says the Gemara, no, that's not true. Says the Gemara, right? So we say, no, that's not true because the actual value of a shore, that's not personal injury law. It's not like getting coffee spilled on you at Starbucks. That's just like go to the shuk and ask Wasserman and Lumberger, how much is this going to cost? How much would this shore have cost before? How much does the shore cost now? So in other words, since that's a market value that's more quantifiable, that is easy enough, so to speak, for the courts in, in Bavel to work out. So to that, the, the Gemara says, So when a human being also gets injured, whether it's by another human being or a shore, that could also be evaluated. Go to the trading block of the slaves, and see how much would this human being be worth it before or after the injury. Um, and then, oh, right, the kaitzi. And then when you get to the dalad vehei, right, that we talked about, um, and, and all the nezek and all the repo and any, any of those things, those are fixed. So no, the dalad vehei should also work because the what? The kaitzi, those are fixed amounts. In other words, once you know the amount of the injury or the amount of the, uh, the monetary amount lost, so then you know the multiples too, right? Because the four and five is already kitesy, right? That's already a fixed amount. So in other words, if the issue is that we're not allowing the, uh, the courts of Bavel to have any judgment over anything, so then that's okay. the, the, the simple math we let them do, the simple calculation of the market value we should let them do, so therefore why don't we let them uh, work out those cases in Bavel? So the Gemara, they should be able to carry out Right, what the Bezdin and Eretz Yisrael should do, which is to say, we should let them adjudicate those cases. So the Gemara says, Amri ki avdin shlichusayu b'mamona. B'knasa lo avdin shlichusayu. The Gemara is explaining that, yes, if it comes to just a mon- monetary pyramid where you're compensating somebody, so then you need to have the Bezdin in Bavel act as a shaliach. But a knas, we never let a Bezdin do in Bavel. The knas is something that only the Bezdin and Eretz Yisrael could do. And that's why, like the Dal Vehei, for example, that's a knas. However, that's true of the Dalad Vehei, but the Gemara is asking, Adam, Adam, Dimamonahu, Navich But when you're talking about the injury, right, of personal injury law, that is Mamon. That's not Knas. That's, you're paying back compensation. So that should be something that should be adjudicated in, 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 uh, in Bavel. Says the Gemara, right, Ki Kavdina Shlichusayu, Bemilsa de Shricha. Adam, Adam, Lo Shricha, Lo Avdina Shlichusayu. That the only time that we allowed the Bezdin and Eretz So again, just to review, what the Bezdin and Babel is being allowed to do is only by authority of the Bezdin and Eretz Yisrael. And 
it's only in order to allow people to function, like the society to function. That's why it has to be shchiach. It has to be something that's commonplace, like lending, or, uh, right, and it can't be a knas, and it has to be something that's easily, right, we're treating, we're treating them like they're really an inferior kind of bezin, um, and so it has to be something that's easily quantifiable and is common. That's the bottom line, okay? It's fine. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. So here, this is a little, um, not necessarily intuitive, but the Gemara here is saying that personal injury law is not that common. In other words, they didn't have tons of ambulance chasers, as it were, then in those days, that a human being would, would, would hit another person was not so common. It sounds like the Boshas of Gam, where you we have it's like onus and mufate, uh, and uh, that's appara- that apparently was more common, right? This is talking about right the nezek uh, right of rape and and such was considered more likely, and for that you needed to have checks and balances. That was common enough that we needed to have uh, the authority in Bavel in order to adjudicate those cases, and therefore in those cases, ask Lamar. Says the Gemara, since those are more common, there we should have a shliach. So the Gemara says, Amri, Hachinami, Papa, Agbe, Arba, Yeah. He said, You're right. That we actually do. Because Rav Papa used to take uh, 400 Zuz. What was the 400 Zuz? So Rashi explains. Uh, 400 Zuz, Kiditnan, Tsarim Bozno, Talash Basaro, Yeah, in the Mishnah, right, that we're going to see next week, it talks about. Right, the idea that that's how much you have to pay. It's a set amount, and it's common enough, right? Uh, and, and that Mishnah, as we will see, sets that 400 zuz as a set amount. Okay, well, once you have that set amount, that's that shita over there, then it's, and it's common enough, so then, ain hachinami, as the Gemara says, right? Then it's true that the Bezdin and Bavel would be able to adjudicate over the case. However, the Gemara says, Valesilar of Papa. Yeah, but we, we kicked out of Papa's shita. Nobody held like that. There was no rabbi that held of that. And we know the case was the Shalach of Chistelah of Nachman. Of Chistelah of Nachman discussed the case. Of Chistelah asked of Nachman, what do we say? Nachman answered, Chistelah, Chistelah, Knasa Kamagwiz Babel. What are you doing, Rav Chistelah? You're going to bring a Knas in Babel, which is to say we don't allow a Knas. So, so, yeah, we brought in Rav Papa as an answer. And the question is, why did Rav Nachman find that this was such a bad idea? Why should you not uh, do a knas for onus and mafata of 400, uh, 400 zuz? After all, it's both a set amount and it's common. But clearly, it's because he felt that it was a knas. And a knas should also, as we said, is something that should not be brought in Bavel uh, at all. Okay, so now the Gemara really zeroes in on the two aforementioned criteria. Says the Gemara, what would be the case where the bez- when we, whenever we say avdin shlichosayu, it means we allow the Bezdin and Bavel to carry it out because they are acting on behalf of the authority of the Bezdin and Eretz Yisrael. So when do we allow the Bezdin and Bavel to carry it out? It has to be common and also a loss for the plaintiff, which is to say, right, uh, in the case of Boshes, that's not considered a monetary loss. I, I did have this, by the way, with my uh, mother-in-law, Zelzayin Gizun. This was in, she was in Eretz Yisrael, and she was like more or less uh, almost cut in half by an egged bus. It's not important because the guy closed the uh, kept closing the luggage compartment on her while she was like reaching in for something. Anyway, so we dealt with it for for a while. But she Baruch Hashem is fine now. But that was she was in the hospital for a long time, and we were discussing how to um, 
uh, how, you know, whether there was any compensation for this. And the answer is, like, she wasn't working at the time, right? And the only thing that she had was, like, if she had medical expenses, maybe would they pay. But, like, there's no such thing as, right, if there's no chisar and kiss, right, so you couldn't, we, you couldn't quantify it, they weren't getting it back. But anyway, in a situation where it is common and there is chisar and kiss, so then we allow the Bezdin and Babel to be the Shadech of the Bezdin in Eretz kiss. But if it's going to be either something that's common, but it's something like embarrassment, which you can't quantify, or or, right, the converse, where it is not common, even though there is some monetary loss, law of the which is to say, if there's only one of the two variables, we're not going to let the Bezdin and Babel adjudicate, and and therefore, it needs to have both the chisar and kiss, and it has to be common. Therefore, hilchach adam be'adam. Therefore, let's say you have a case where one human being, going back to our case of nezek, the, of a human being on a new human being, afagavd isbe chisar and kiss. There, even though there's case of monetary loss, clearly, if somebody did in fact lose uh, value there, came on the loshchicha. Since that, as we've as we've mentioned, is not common. Law of Those cases are not adjudicated in Babel. And boshes, which we already said, is more common. Afagav d'shchicha, even though it's more common, came to leisbechisarn kiss love d'nishlichosayu. Since that's not something that you could actually quantify the monetary damage of boshes easily, although we will quantify it, you know, ironically, but it's not easily obvious, right? Uh, what that what that quality is, and therefore we don't allow the courts in Babel to adjudicate those cases, and therefore they will not be done so in Babel. Okay, so now. The Gemara just wants to ask, once that's the case, says the Gemara, Vishor, Vishor, Govin, Vibabel? Well, what if one shore injures another? That we're going to let the courts in Babel decide? Vahamar Rava, Shor Shehizik, ain't Govin, Rava explicitly said in a, in a statement that you do not uh, take, collect for that in Babel. So, uh, so the Gemara is going to have to explain. How did we say? Because the Brisa that we quoted in yesterday on Daf Aleph uh, had said, all the permutations of shore and Adam, and it says what you are govern, what you're not. And it turns out that it's shore on shore, we are gonna let the Babylonian courts decide. So how did Rava say that you don't do that? You don't let the Babylonian courts decide it? So it says the Gemara, the Azak man, Elam Azak Adam, well, you have to see, what would be the case, right? If you say shore that damage a human being, my ear is sure the Azak Adam, I feel Adam does Adam. In other words, then, then you're gonna say, Sure, that, that damaged human being doesn't make any sense. That's not commonplace. And because we even said that a person damaging another person is not commonplace, and that is presumed to be even more common, albeit rare, but it's presumed to be even more common than a sure damaging a human being. And therefore, both of those cases are completely not commonplace, and it can't be that that's the case that we're talking about, where sure can, in fact, be Gover Bibavel. So therefore, Nami ain't governed to Bavel, says the Gemara. Those cases are for sure not going to be the case. El Pshita the Azik Shore. So it has to be that it is a shore on shore crime. Right? That an ox goring another ox has to be the case. That's the only one that's commonplace enough to even be in question. Where there, even Rava says it's not, Rava says even there that you're not going to be govin Bavel, but that. We said Vikatani ain't govin Bavel, right? That you're not going to be govin Bavel, as Rava said. So so, and so, do we or do we not collect, right, Shor Shehizik in, um, in Bavel? We seem to have contradictions because the Brisa seems to say yes, Rava says no. So what are we talking about, says the Gemara? 
Two different kinds of shor shehizik. As the Gemara says, Amri, hasam bitam, hacha muad. Right? That Rava was talking about a case of a tam. Why? Because you remember, Andrew, we said that a short tam pays chatzinezek. What's chatzinezek? Well, chatzinezek isn't exactly restitution. You're only getting half. Is it half empty or half full? Which is to say, uh, is it because we have like Rachmanus on you because the shore was a tam and therefore you're going to take the payment and, and not have to, and you, and you half, and you say, we give you 50% off? We said, no, that's one way of looking at it. It's kamamon dummy. But there's also the other way of looking at it is that the whole thing's a knas, which is to say that Minat Torah, if you have a short time, you had no way of knowing that it was going to do the hezek, and therefore you're really not chayev at all. And there, why do we make you pay a chatzin nezek as a knas? The whole nezek is a knas. If the whole nezek, meaning the whole chatzin nezek is a knas. If the entire chatzin nezek payment of a short time is a knas, so then knas, we already said, you do not adjudicate in Bavel. So that's the difference. That if it's a shore on shore crime, and it's a tam, therefore it's a, it's a chatzinezek, and it's only a, considered a knas, and that you're not going to adjudicate in Babel. Hacha but muad. But here, right, when we're talking about muad, muad is a different case, as you said, right? We said b'meitav mimamono, that in muad, as soon as the incident happened, you owe the money. You're a balchov. As soon as the incident happens, at that point you already are on the hook, not for the... Not, not to pay from the goof of the shore and all these other aspects that we saw in Tom, but to pay the value of the nezek that you did. So that's real monetary value. That is a case where you could be able to adjudicate in, in uh, Bavel because that's money that you owe. That's a compensatory case. And so Muad, shore on shore, you do adjudicate in Bavel, and Tom, which is Knas, you do not. However, Rava, who's a genius, Abinyamin, has the following chab. Behama Rava, ain muad b'bavel. Rava makes the following chab. He says, if in fact, a tam is always going to be a knas, ain muad b'bavel, it's just like saying three words, but let's say it outside, it's actually a nice idea. That if in fact, a tam would never pay a knas of the chatzinezek in bavel, so how would you ever get to the point of a muad? After all, how does the Tom become a Muad? He shows up in court multiple times, and then eventually he's branded a Muad after three times. Well, this is Bavel. The Tom never makes it to court in Bavel because it's just a Tom. So, the, so there's no mechanism by which he ever becomes a Muad. Wow. Okay. Nice chop. So Amri Diyayid Hasim Now you have to come up with a case of how that, and that, that's, that's indeed what Rashi says, right? Since you don't go to Bezdin for the original Negichos as a Tam, how's he ever going to become a Moad? So says the Gemara, Rabbi's talking about a case where the uh, warnings, right, the, the, were happened in Eretz Israel. Basically, it's an Israeli shore, that's been worn many times already in Israel, and now the, 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 the Muad was going to be in Bavel. So that's how a Muad got to Bavel. He became a Muad in Eretz Israel. Okay? That's one possibility. Gemara says, wait a minute. Didn't we say that we only adjudicate common cases? Is that really a common case? How often do you bring a Muad shore to Bavel from Eretz Israel? Right? That we said was not going to be the case. Rather, So maybe a more common case would be that he's talking about where the, 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 um, the rabbis in Eretz Yisrael warned the owner in Bavel. 
Wait, so the rabbis warned the owner in Babel, which is to say, okay, so they didn't bring the, the so, so the rabbis knew about the shore. The shore presumably was in Babel the whole time. But the rabbis knew, so they were able to come, even though it wasn't adjudicated, and they were able to, to warn you about the shore, and that's how it became a, a muad. Okay, but that's super uncommon anyway, says the Gemara. Sof, sof, mil Like, that didn't make it more common, <laughs> right? So it's still not a milsa de shchicha, ve'atamart, milsa de shchicha, lokav din shlikosayu. And we said that if it's not a common case, we're not going to adjudicate it in Babel. So says the Gemara, elokiyakam, or rava, b'shein v'regel, d'mu'adam etchilasan in hu. Ah, so when Ravas was talking about that muad, what's the muad? It's not muad of goring, right, of Karen, but it's rather not that kind of time of muad. It's talking about the muad of Shein Regel. Shein Regel, as we discussed, we're learning about Bakam after all. I can't believe we're on the third and final volume. It's going fast. The muad and mischilasan ninhu. That they, Shein Regel, as we've said, it has no time in muad. And as soon as they make their Shein Regel kind of nezek, they're going to be muad uh, right away. And it is that case which Rava was referring to that we're going to be uh, discussing whether we can adjudicate, ha- whether there's even a Havamina, whether we, we were to adjudicate it in Bavil. Ah, so now we made it to two dots, 11 lines up. And Pedalad and Bez. Looks like Bezrat Hashem will get to Pehe today. Let's see. Tsar. We're going to go through now all the other uh, of the payments that you give when a human being hits another human being. So in Shmos, Perakhof Aleph, we talk about injuries, right? We talk about the kind of injuries where you uh, create a wound, wounds. Now, wounds in the Torah, in that Pasuk, has three descriptions, no less than three. Kviya tachas kviya, petza tachas potza, chabura tachas chabura. Okay? So those are like different kinds. It's like a uh, kviya would be like a burn, and then and a petza would be like a wound, like a bru- and chabura would be like a bruise, okay? And so all of these sound kind of similar, right? We're trying to say that you, if you injure one, you're going to pay for the other. You're going to pay for it. But why did you use all these lashonos? So we say this, may, this is where the source, from that pasuk comes the source that you have to pay also for tsar. Our mission had said tsar, what our mission said is like this, that you pay for the pay. What's the pain? So the shaput masmer, right, the, the spit or the nail, even if it's not visible or you don't have any lasting wound or anything like that where, you have to, where you've lost anything, just the fact that the person experienced pain, you pay for that pain, okay? So it says the Gemara, Tzar Shalobim Kom Nezek Mishtale Man Tana. Who is the Tana of our Mishnah that said that you pay for that pain? In other words, Tzar Shalobim Kom Nezek means you don't have actual physical, right? So again, uh, going back to to, to, to case, the case that we had, where there was a lot of pain involved. Uh, you know, when my, when my shvigers was like, got injured, there was a lot of pain. But we couldn't like pin down, right, the actual, there was no loss of job or lo, no loss of money. So how do you know that you pay for that? So the Gemara, Omar Rava ben Azai. This is the Allah ben Azai, because this is the following price as follows. Says the Gemara. So Rebbe Omer, Kviyanemar Tchila. Okay, so that's why you have to read the Pasuk to know what it's talking about. Because the Pasuk says, They're not arguing about the order of the words in the Pasuk. <laughs> that is straight out in the Torah. What they mean is, Rebbe is saying that the Kviya 
there has to be some sort of, something here is redundant. And so the question is, when you, when you say the word kviyah, do you mean like a burn with a wound or burn without a wound? Okay, so now we'll walk you through it here and I'll just give it away. Rav Papa is gonna say that it's exactly the opposite of what we're saying. So it's not exact, if you're a little confused, don't, don't, don't be afraid because it's not exactly intuitive. But Rebbe is saying that when the Pasuk starts with the word kviyah, it means just a burn without a wound. And Benate says, when it says kviyah, it means a burn with a, with a wound. What's this machlokas? Rebbe shavar kviyah doleis bechabur mashma kazvachman chabura legeluela de kviyah. This bechabur in ilo lo. So now let's walk you through. Rebbe says that kviyah means that without a wound. So therefore, why did the Torah there afterwards, when it says kviyah tachas kviyah, petza tachas petza, chabura tachas chabura, why did it go through all this redundancy? The chabura later is is to reveal the galuya la de that regarding to when it first said kviya the ispe chabura in that it is reflecting on that burn that you get that you only have to pay when it has a actual wound right but if it does not have a wound ilo lo which is to say that if you only have tsar you don't you, then you not going to pay for it. You're only going to pay for the kviyah if it has a wound in it. That's what Rebbe is saying. When it says kviyah, it's talking about a burn that has a wound in it. Oh, if that's the case, then why does it say chabura at the end? Right, to teach you that a burn without a bruise is also going to be included, right, in that, in that limud. And therefore, it's benazai who's in our Mishnah. Because Benazah is going to say that the, fir- that the first one is to teach you, the first mention of Kriyah is to teach you that a burn with a wound you're going to have to pay for. And then when it says Chabura later on in the Pasuk, then you're going to still pay for that Tsar. Even though there's no wound, you pay for the Tsar only. And that's the source of Benazai who teaches us in our Mishnah that you pay for Tsar even in the absence of a wound. Not like Rebbe. So to that, Matkisar of Papa, so I'm going to say ahead already. Matkisar of Papa is going to say, that it sounds like maybe you could read it the opposite way as follows. Adaraba, the exact opposite. Ipcha mistabra. We're saying, you just said an upside down svara. It's supposed to be like this. Rebbe, Omer Kriyan, Omer Tchila, Savar Kriyati, Ispechabur, Mashma. That it's Rebbe who says that the reason why it says Kriyan in the beginning of the Pasuk is to teach you that only when the burn has a wound, you're going to have to pay. Kasavachmana, Chabura. And therefore, when it says in the, in later in the Pasuk, the word chabura, wound, to teach you with regards to the actual burn, the lesbe chabura, that, that even, so it should be therefore Rebbe who holds that a burn, right, that has, the Rebbe who says, the lesbe chabura, you're also going to have to pay. So it's Rebbe who's supposed to be the one, if you're going to hold, in fact, that he holds that the first kviyah, right, is referring to kviyah with a chabura, so then, the next Chabura is the one that reveals uh, upon it, right, that in fact, even if you didn't have a bruise, you still would pay just for the Tsar. So just a quick pause. This is Limudim, right? We, we never know 100% which is more compelling, right? You could see, in other words, you could see it both ways. Like, in other words, you couldn't bring it to Rabbi Rose and say, like, which one is... 100% more compelling. I mean, obviously, Matki Flarif Papa, he feels very strongly about it. But we in ourselves, you know, in our, in our humble positions, would not be able to, to, to figure it out one way or the other. But the bottom line is that it's consistent that Rebbe thinks that the first Kriya is, is referring to 
a kviyah that has a bruise. And then the whole question is when it says chabur later, is it reflecting and explaining that, that it's not one with a bruise or is it explaining that it is one with a bruise? So we're basically just entertaining both possibilities. But for our purposes, we understand that it's how you read the Pasuk. And one way of reading the Pasuk is that the Chabura Tachas Chabura is to say that when it talks about Kviyah, it's Dafka talking about that you would pay Tsar even in the absence of a bruise. Another way of looking at it is that it's teaching you about Kviyah, that it only is going to be a monetary payment for the Kviyah if there is a bruise, right? So you could see it both ways, and you could even flip the Shitas each way. So you could see it in every which possible way. So we don't really know, but we know that our Mishnah is certainly holding that you pay for tsar even in the absence of a bruise. Anyway, uh, just finishing Rab Papa's thought, that again, consistent with what we said with Ben Azai before, even though it's consistent with his saying that kviya means when there's no bruise, still don't know exactly how that's going to reflect in the ultimate understanding of what Chabur is going to mean, in, so then he's saying later when it says Chabur, it says only when there's a bruise, we're going to uh, have a monetary payment, but and if not, then you're not going to be chayv, amaskana kaimi here, the Gemara is saying, and then you're going to carry over, right, that the conclusion of what the Pesach is going to be is going to be dependent on how they read the Pasuk. That's, and, and so therefore it's going to be flipped, where Rebbe is going to be the one Right, that's gonna that's gonna be like our Mishnah, um, where you again, our Mishnah is is very definitive. It says you pay for tsar even in the absence of a bruise. Right, so it just has to do with how you read the pasuk. That's one way of analyzing the pasuk. Inami says the Gemara, it's two the right second line up from the bottom that the chule alma kviya that everybody holds that when the pasuk says kviya tachas kviya petzach tachas patsa. That really the kviyah is just a burn, a burn without a wound. As we finally arrive in Peheim, the machlokas of Rebbe and Ben Azai is not about what kviyah means and whether it includes a wound, but rather it's about what, how do you handle a pasuk where you have the word kviyah and then you have the word chabura at the end of the pasuk, the word kviyah at the beginning of the pasuk, word chabura at the end, and the word petza in the middle. There's a word petza that breaks it down. We have a concept of kaluprat en daninelaka en haprat. When you have a general rule and then you have a more right, specific example in the Torah, so then everything's going to be like that specific example. It's going to have to be similar to it in order to fall into the category. But is that only true when the two words are exactly juxtaposed? Or can you have another word, petza, in there in between them and still learn the kaluprat? It's like a hermeneutic, right? Mechanism, and we want to know: Does it work this way with something in the middle? Rebbe Savar ain't done on a topic laluprat. Rebbe says that you do not hold of that, and because of the word pets in the middle, Benazai Savar done on a topic laluprat. Benazai holds that you do, despite the fact that the word pets is in between. You're still going to learn the laluprat. Bechitema, and if you're going to say chabur la Rebbe lamali, wait a second, wait a second. If Rebbe doesn't hold that, the reason why we have chabura is to teach you that you're going to even um, give a Right, monetary payment when there's tsar in the absence of a wound. So why do you have to have the word chabur altogether? Like that, that word is there is therefore totally superfluous. It says the Gemara, that's teaching you an additional thing according to Rabbi, that you have to pay additional money if the burn will cause tsar and in addition to that also called, cause nezek. That is how Rabbi learns the Pasuk. But we have, again, ways of reading that very, um, very interesting Pasuk over there. In um, in Shmos Chafalif. Okay, 
So now two li- uh, four lines down, two dots. Here we go. Let's talk about Tsar. How did we estimate it? So you might recall the mission said, how much would somebody pay to avoid this pain? Right? It's very hard to quantify pain. Okay, well, how much would you pay to avoid the pain? Says the Gemara. How are we going to assess pain when there is physical damage? Let's start with there. Well, let's say that the uh, injury in question is the cutting off of his hand. Okay. So how much would a person pay to not have his hand uh, cut off? Says the Gemara, says that doesn't, that's not really a good isolated case for Tsar. Because you have there Tsar, Ripoy, Boshes, Obviously, he's going to need a lot of medical attention, and he's never going to be the same guy without a hand. So what are we talking about? That's really not a good case. And not only that, are we talking with fools? Like, who in their right mind would give any amount of money to cut off their hand? Like, you say, it's a figure of speech. I would give my right hand in order to, whatever, daven from the Umid. But would you really give your right hand? <laughs> you know what I mean? That you'd have to be a lunatic. So... This is not a good case, right? Who, who would give their hand? This is not a way of, of um, assessing properly. Says Aha. Maybe cut a, uh, off, cutting off a hand that's as good as cut. In other words, just the pain of it. Like, let's say you have a useless arm for whatever reason. You don't have use of your arm. How much would a person who has no use of his arm uh, pay to avoid just the pain of cutting it off? So now you've isolated all the other factors. Like, you have no use of your arm. And you, right, it's just a question of how much will it hurt. So the Gemara, not so fast. Yodok to Anami. You know, useless arm, lo tsar That's not just tsar. Hatsaru boshesika. After all, true his hand was useless, Rechman al-Tzlan, but at least he looked like he had a hand. He doesn't look like the same guy when he's an amputee, right? It's not a good look. A person is a little embarrassed when he sees his arm being eaten by dogs thrown to the dogs, so that's not a good look, and therefore we have to isolate the tsar thusly, the Gemara continues. Okay, how much would a person take money to have his hand, that's anyway, been what, sentenced to chopping off? We're talking about like medieval, let's say, times, where the king comes and he's gonna say, I'm gonna take my sword, and uh, on Tuesday you're getting your arm cut off. So, bain sam l'sayif. Uh, would you rather have it done by a potion that knocks your hand off or by a sword? Rashi, So in the uh, courts, they just gave him some sort of, I don't know, they put an ointment or whatever, they put some sort of potion on there and your arm would fall off and it would actually be painless. says Rashi. How much would you pay to have it done by the painless method uh, since you're getting it done anyway. So now you're getting it done. So now you're not going to have use of your arm, nor are you going to have an arm at all. You're going to be an amputee. The question is, do you want to have it like with anesthesia or without anesthesia, so to speak, right? So how much would you pay for the anesthesia is really the question. So Here too, we're going back to the original question. Wouldn't he just take all the money in the world to, to keep his arm? Says the Gemara. No. Oh, so that's what I said. Right? Uh, no, no. So now the Gemara says, it's, it's a little different than just how much would you pay to not have your arm cut off. It's, 
Here, he was sentenced to have his hand cut off. That is happening. The first case, I wasn't exactly um, clear. There, the, the Gemara assumed that it, you somehow would be able to get out of it, right? But once you know that you for sure have been sentenced and you're not getting out of it, then it's just a question of how much would you pay for the anesthesia? That's the question. So the Gemara says, now, just a technicality, why did the Gemara said, litol? Kama adamotsin liten liktol ayodo hai litol. Liten mi bai? Why is it saying liten? A person has to give. What, who are you paying? It should have said to take. Okay, now we're really getting technical. So I'm going to put a sure. Litol zem izem ashenotson zem. In other words, he just means that the victim's supposed to take from the, from the hand chopper what, the, what this person would give the government to save himself from the pain. So we're not going to get caught up in are you giving or taking money. We all understand what we're talking about. The, 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 the con, in context, we understand. You're, you theoretically would pay money to avoid the, uh, the, the chopping off, but it may not, the transaction may not actually happen in that way. It's more like how much would you not pay in order to not have it done, that kind of thing, right? It, it, how much would you pay to not have it done, but really we're going to pay you money. Um, that's the money we're going to pay you, right, for the fact that you did have it done. So whether you're taking or you're giving, the point is this is how we assess the tsar. So now we're 11 lines up from the wide and two dots. Repeat. What about medical expenses? Tanner Bonan. So the, the issue of bruising, right? So it's clear if a guy gets injured and he spend, like he gets his tooth knocked out and he has to spend $2,500 for a postman crown and implant and restoration at the dentist. Um, so then that's the amount that we're going to pay. Um, yeah, I have two very close friends in town. This you know that there's Tzadik in Baltimore? A guy hit a softball um, into another guy's face, and, and the guy came to me for the orthodontic uh, uh, fix, fixing uh, procedure. And the, the, uh, the pitcher who got smashed in the face came to me to have it fixed, and he was going to pay for it. But the guy who hit the ball, who's his buddy, called me, and he said, tell him not to pay, I'm paying for it. I thought that, that was, uh, and, and whatever it is, don't even, I'm not going to discuss it with you. Whatever it is, I'll pay for it. Anyway, we have some nice people in Baltimore. So, so that's, that's an easy case, right? Because it's just like a one-shot deal. You know how much the money is. But what if you have this festering wound? So what are you going to have to pay for the wound care? Uh, shout out to Moshe Lavi, who's in wound care. What are you going to have to pay for the wound care? Like forever? How does this work? And what if the wound heals and then comes back? At what point do you stop tracing it back to the original damage? That's what the question is here. So, says the Brisa, if sores developed because of the wound, Venistra Hamaka, and then it healed and returned, Chayavla Raposo, the person who damaged still has to heal the sores subsequent to that. And also whatever unemployment he had, he has to pay him. Shalom Achmasamaka, but if the sores developed, for no for, for reasons unrelated to the to blow, that the first part of the Bryce says that he doesn't have to pay for his right for his uh, heal for his medical expenses or for his unemployment. Okay. The Gemara is going to address that. We're going to say, of course, if it's not related to the Maka, why would he have to pay that? We'll see. That's the first shita. Second shita reviewed. That if the sore is developed. Right, because of the wound, then you do have to pay the medical expenses. But the Chiddush of Rabbi Yehuda is that even if 
the sore is developed as a source of the wound, that the unemployment doesn't come from the sores, that you only pay unemployment for the actual wound. The sores you will have to pay, the, the unemployment you won't have to pay. In other words, right? The wound itself, you pay the, the unemployment and the medical expenses. But the sores that come from the wound, you only pay the medical expenses, not the unemployment. Okay? That's the second sheet. The third sheet of Chachamim Omrim, Shifta Rufuaso, Kol Shachayev B'Shevaz, Chayev B'Ripoy, B'Sheinu Chayev B'Shevaz, Enu Chayev B'Ripoy. That they are linked, say the Chachamim. That what? Because after all, the Pasuk says, right? Rak Shifto Yiten, Berapo Yirapeh. That's what the Pasuk says. Oh. So once the Pasuk says that, that means that the Sheves and the Ripoy are always going to be linked. So if you're going to be Chayev in the unemployment, you're going to be Chayev in the, right, this is a Kenegad Rabbi Yehuda. If you're going to be Chayev in the unemployment, you're going to be Chayev in medical expenses. You're not Chayev in the unemployment. You're not Chayev in the medical expenses. Fine. So now we have a three of Machlokas. The Gemara wants to ask, but my Kamifli, where are they getting all of these shitas from? What are they arguing about? So I'm a Rabbah. I went to the, the uh, yeshiva guys in Rav's yeshiva, and they were pondering this. This was the sugya they were learning. Very nice. And this is what they said. Right, so I brought up Eged. So here it is. Eged really means like Aguda Achas when, you're rap, when you are wrapping something or bringing something together. In this context, it means that you could bandage it. What's a Maka Nisna La Eged? It's a bandaging a wound. There is a question. Are you allowed to bandage a wound? Why would you not be allowed to bandage a wound? If you are a victim, shouldn't you be allowed to bandage the wound? Because it is assumed, right, as, the, as, as Rashi here says, uh, that they assumed medically that if you left the wound exposed, it would heal faster, okay? It would heal better. Albeit, it would be more painful, but it would heal. As opposed to if you bandage, you'll get some comfort, but you'll get sores. That's the question. So now the question is, can a victim bandage his wound? Aye, it makes him more comfortable, but now he's putting his assailant in a position where he has to pay more money for his sores. That's the issue. So are you allowed to put, to make yourself more comfortable and put your assailant in a position where you have to pay more money for your sores? See how sensitive we are to the money of the assailant, interestingly enough. So um, there was a machlokas. Rabbanon say, yes, you're allowed to, yeah, as, a, as a victim, you're allowed to, uh, make yourself more comfortable by bandaging your wounds, even though it's going to make the assailant pay more money for your sores. Rabbi Yudah amazingly said, a victim cannot make himself more comfortable with a bandage because it might actually aggravate the, uh, the, the wound. Okay, why? Because Ripoy, the Tanabe Kara, right, when it says Ripoy in the Pasuk, Mechaev, for that, Rapoyerapeh. This is Rabbi Yehuda in our Bryce. Remember, Yehuda separated out the medical expenses and the sheves. So Tana Bekora means repeated. Tana mean, in this context means repeating multiple times. Remember, it says, Rakshi, right, right? Um, the word repoy is, is said twice. It's repeated. Why is it repeated? To teach you that that you're always going to be chayev. You're always going to be chayev the medical expenses. However, sheves, when it comes to the wounds, since the Pasuk did not repeat the word sheves, it said Rakshivto only once. So there, you're not going to be chayev for the sores. So again, that is the source of Rabbi Yehuda, that he splits it. He says, for medical expenses of the sores, you will have to pay. And it is for that reason that we don't allow a victim to bandage his wounds because he's forcing his 
right? He's forcing his assailant to pay more money for those wounds because of the fact that the Pasuk says, that you pay even for the medical expenses of the sores that develop, okay? So that was the, that's what they said. So Rabbah says, you know, when I heard the, the yeshiva guys, Rabbah's yeshiva talk about this, I said to him the follows, right, let's say you hold that, that you're not allowed to bandage your wound. So if that's true, so then even for the medical expenses, you shouldn't have to pay. In other words, this isn't the machlokas of whether you're allowed to bandage your wound or not, because after all, if you are not allowed to bandage your wound, you would not only not pay the unemployment, you would even not pay the medical expenses. So we have to be talking about a case where everybody holds that you're allowed to bandage your wound. But the question is, can you do excessive bandaging, right? If the victim is getting a little too carried away with the bandaging, so much so that he's getting like sores and rashes from his bandage, that is actually going to be an issue because if you suffer, came to the of that Rabbi Huda is going to hold that since you're not allowed to do excessive bandaging, then even there, the, you really should have to be on the hook for the medical expenses. And, the, and even though it would be ridiculous to pay for the rash that came from the wound, that came for the bandage, that came from the original wound, even though that would be ridiculous, that's what the Torah is telling you. means... Keep paying for all the medical expenses until the entire cascade effect from this initial injury happens. Whereas, right, so therefore, but that's just true of the medical expenses. However, Sheves, the unemployment, the Lotan since that the Pasuk did not repeat and only said once, Lama Chayev, that is not going to be Chayev. For Rabbanon Savri, came in the Tanabe Kra, but Ripoy, Sheves, Nami Mechayev, and the Rabbanon hold that since the Pasuk says Ripoy, um, twice, and therefore you're going to pay the medical expenses all the way to the end, it's also going to be applicable to Shavas, it kashle ripoy, because when it says rak ten it's intended, the repoyerpe is to teach you, you pay the medical expenses all the way to the end, and the connection to the unemployment of Shavas is to teach you that the same halacha would apply to Shavas as well, which is to say, we pay all of your medical expenses and your unemployment until all of the cascade effect from all of this wound goes away. Okay, why does Rabbi Yehuda disagree with that? Rabbi Yehuda suffers Shavas Lomachayev the Me'ata Yachman Rak. Because don't forget the pasuk says Rak Shivtoi Yiten Verapoyer Pe. So that's what the word Rak is doing there. The word Rak is to dissociate, to get away from the Hekesh of Shavas and Ripoy. Okay, for Rabbanon Rak Lishlo Machmas Hamako Daasa, and the Chachamim hold that no, the Rak is just saying it's excluding sores that did not develop right because of the wound, right? If they develop, and, and therefore it is specifically to this case where it's unrelated to the wound, but related to the way the victim was bandaging, it is for that reason that the word rock is telling, telling you that, that even for that, right, he's going to uh, be chayef for. But that you need the word rock to teach you, that's an extra limud. Okay. So what's this third opinion of the Brysa? The Rabban Basroi, right? Again, so the Rabban Basroi, that they said, that what's their source, right? So they hold that anytime you collect uh, med- medical expenses, you collect unemployment also and vice versa. So why do I have to have why did the Pasuk repeat the word twice? It says, 
to teach you a famous idea from Rabbi Tanya Ishmael. I'm so happy we got to this. 15 lines up from the bottom, Pehem Aleph. Tanya, Rabbi Ishmael Omer, the Bryce says what? What does the Pasuk mean when it says in double time language? Permission to heal, Rashi says. We do not say, one could have possibly said, that, hey, Hashem made you sick or made it such that you would get this wound for a reason. And therefore, it would be a violation. It would be disrespectful to Hashem to heal it. And, it, and the whole industry of medicine should be done away with because a doctor is going against the will of Hashem by going against this act of God, as it were. Says the Gemara, no, rapo you can be a doctor. You're allowed to be a doctor, you should be a doctor. You should do the, uh, your hishtadlus to be a, a, a doctor and to heal wounds. Hashem is a rofei cholim, that's true, but we should also have rofei cholim on the ground to be the shlichim of Hashem. Uh, so Bezat Hashem, uh, I gave you a little bit of extra homework uh, for Shabbos. I apologize, and we will resume uh, next week. Bezat Hashem on